You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, good morning, church. uh, It's a pleasure to be here. I just want to thank you again for last week. Uh, Sarah and I, our family, felt the love. It was a lot of fun for us. We enjoyed every bit of it. Your cards were um, just, I can't really express how, um, how much they mean to us, how much they meant to me. They're in my office as a, as a regular and constant reminder uh, of the people that I get to do ministry with and, and, and the love that you have for us. And so we're just grateful, just beyond grateful. It's truly an honor to be your pastor. Um, uh, and getting into this morning, this is, this is an interesting morning for me. Um, as you know, this is not interesting, this is normal. As you know, the Lord speaks to me through songs. This week was no different. Um, I, was, I was introduced to a song uh, through my wife. She, she works in Lubbock on Thursdays, and so she just gets time with the Lord away from children, which is really awesome for her. Um, and just by the way, she, she sends me these songs and she tells me, she's like, this is just, I just want to, she just wanted to share with me what the Lord was doing with her and her on, their, on her drive to Lubbock. And married couples, that, that's one of the great and wonderful benefits that we have, that we get to enjoy being married couples, is we get to share with one another what the Lord is doing in, in us. And it's such a, it just brought me so much joy. It was a text, but it was just so much joy to know where the Lord had my wife in that moment, right? And, but oftentimes, we don't share those things. And so the person that should experience what the Lord is doing in us first is oftentimes the person that experiences it last, right? I'm very guilty of that. The Lord will be prepping something in my mind, and I don't know what it is. It's not like there's, it's a secret on the sermon, but I just don't talk about the sermon. You could ask me what we're talking about on Sunday. I'd be like, Jesus, I told that to my mom last night. She asked me what we're talking about tomorrow. And it's like, God, probably. He might show up. It's like, I'm terrible about sharing. I don't know why that is. I just, uh, for some reason, protect that space. But it's, it's one of the benefits of uh, being in a relationship. We get to share those things. So make sure you do that, okay? And sh- it, Allow your spouse to be the first one in the body of Christ to experience God in you. Amen? Amen. Well, so anyway, Sarah shared with me this, this moment that she had with the Lord, this revelation that she had with God, and it was a revelation for me. And I, I come to you this morning recognizing that this may be, this is, uh, it's not a difficult thing, but it's a sobering thing, that this may be one of the most, the most important messages I bring from this pulpit. Um, hands down. Uh, now, I'm not saying that to get your expectations wild, but I just recognize the value of this if a people of God can understand this and say yes to it, the impact it will have will be immediate. And not, not for the people around you, but for you. And your relationship with the Lord, it will change it dynamically and drastically I'm telling you, just since the Lord has revealed this to me, there has not been a moment in my day where I've not felt shifting my mind, shifting the way I think about things, shifting the way I think about things. Uh, Did I say that twice? It's super important, so I said it twice. Okay? I really mean it. 
I'm thinking differently, and it's really important. And also recognizing that this morning, is, it's a 2 Corinthians 3.18 morning. It is a morning with unveiled faces that we would elevate from one degree of glory to another. It's not a wall that's in front of us. It's an opportunity for the Lord to take us higher. And this will lead us, I promise you, this will lead us into new depths. This will lead you in your own life to new depths and understanding of God's heart. And it is impossible to go deeper into the Father's heart without this first being understood. And so with those expectations rising in you, let's start, right? We are meant to step into a new degree of glory this morning, amen? And we know this to be true, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, amen? Luke 19, verse 10, look at that. It'll be on the screen. I'm going to try to get there before it gets on the screen. Oh, they beat me. Luke 19, verse 10. Today salvation has come to this house. He also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Do you believe that? He came to find them where they were and save them. Amen? He came to all of us where we were and rescued us. Did He not? Do you remember the moment when He came and rescued you? Man, I do. It's a significant moment when you're drowning and then you're not drowning anymore. It's a powerful moment. Romans 5, verse 6. I'm going fast because I've got like 15 pages of notes, so say that for your encouragement. We're going to be here for a while. Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us, for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. If He would show that love to us while we were sinners, what will He show us while we're His sons and daughters? Right? I love the King James Version of this. Look at different versions of, of Scriptures. Look at all of them because there's different translations and it's powerful. The King James Version says, God commanded His love toward us. That puts a different amount of weight to it when He said, my love, I command it toward you. He orders this love over us. It has no choice but to be for us. He commanded His love for us while we were still sinners. Amen? And He does this for everyone. Amen? Everyone. For Christ died for everyone. The forgiveness of sin is for everyone and available to everyone. Everyone's sins have been forgiven. That is there. The blood of Jesus has died for the world and washed the world. It's just those who have received it and those that haven't. But there is not a person on this earth that He did not die for. Amen? And would we in this house expect everything I've said to be any different? Do you disagree with anything I've said? This is the God we know. Amen? Is this the God you know? I hope so. If it's not, we might need to hang out for a second. The God we know because we have experienced Him, right? The God we know because we've experienced Him. So would we turn 
anyone away for coming as they are? Would you turn anyone that walked through that door for coming as they were? Were you turned away when you came as you were? Were you turned away? Did God turn you away when you came just as you were? We were not turned away, so we will not turn away. John 15, 12, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And by this, they will know that you are my disciples. Right? We talked about this in Sunday school, just a review, but Christ came to restore the body, and it's the first evidence the Spirit is introduced in Acts 2, verse 2, and then the first evidence we see of a people filled with the Spirit of God. What's the first thing that happens? They devote themselves to teaching and to the breaking of bread. They devote themselves to God and to unity with one another. That's important. It's important. That's the first evidence we see of the church. That there was love for one another. And we're to love everyone as they are. And this is review. I know this is review. Turn with me now to Luke 15. This has all been reviewed and it's been reviewed for a purpose. Because I need our minds on a track before we get to Luke 15. Luke 15, verse 11, we know this Scripture very well. This is uh, such a large part of the vision that the Lord has for this house in this day that we would be the Father running out to meet the prodigal sons and daughters that are seeking to return home, right? We've received that. It is for this house. We know that it's for this house and we believe it. Look at verse, or chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Look at how he left. Do you think the father had a little bit of an idea of how this was going to go when the son left. Parents with, with older, older children, my mom is guilty of this, and she always comes on the Sundays where I'm going to call her out, which is good timing for me. Um, but every one of us, all of us siblings, we'll never talk about it to her. This is an admitting time for me in front of it where we'll tell her that she's right. But we, we all talk about behind closed doors like, you remember that time mom told me this was going to happen exactly the way it panned out? And she warned me. And we're like, it's not going to, it, that's not going to happen. And then it happened just like that. And we're like, whatever. Don't, don't let her know that she was right. Because you parents with older kids, you've, you've seen them start a, a path and you're like, this is where you're going. I'm like, no, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to do this. It's going to work out like this. It's like, no, it isn't. And then where do they end up exactly where you said they would, right? Making these decisions, right? You think the father in this story had an idea of how his son was going to live with this money? Of course. Of course he knew. Of course he knew. He knew and he had an idea where he's going. Look at verse 20. And the son... He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet 
and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Do you think the father expected to see his son again? Better question, do you think that the father hoped to see his son again? Absolutely, right? And if he had a hope, hope has expectation, right? If I hope for something, if I hope for that chair, I've got a, I've got a rope attached to that chair. I can see it. It's in my hand. I'm expecting to see and receive that chair because I'm hoping for it now. There was an expectation that he would see his son again. There was a hope that he would see his son again. I know we're taking this, uh, we're, we're elaborating on this a little bit, but just keep following with me. Do you think, we know that, and we can easily see that he hoped that he would see him again. But did he have, did the father have a preference on how his son would return or just hope that he would return? Just a hope, right? Just a hope. You as parents, as, as, uh, I mean, just kids going off to college, did you hope that they would come back in a certain way or just hope that you got to see them again? They started living their own life, having their own kids. Instant. Did you just hope that you would see them again or did you have a preference on, well, if I do see them again, I would really like for it to look like this? Or are you just grateful as a parent to get to see your child? Right? That's not hard for us to get there. He just hoped to see him. Right? It's the same, if a drug dealer came in this church, would we expect them to come as they are? Right? Yes, of course. Expectation comes from experience. I would expect them to come because that's who they are up until this point. They haven't heard the truth yet. They haven't encountered God yet, but they're here now. And now I can expect some more for them. But I would expect for them to come as they are because that's who they were. Would we have preference on how this lost person would come? A preference... Uh, like one thing or person better than another, I would prefer if you showed up to church like this. Now, I know you don't have a lot of clothes, but I would prefer if you showed up in a button-up and slacks. You can be a drug dealer, you can be a sinner, but just please show up like this, right? Do we have, would we have that kind of preference over someone that was lost that was coming in to find Jesus? Would you carry that kind of preference over somebody? Would we want them to come as we want them to come Or would we just want them to come as they are? We only had to come as we were, right? So it should be the same for them. So now getting to the point, why is it then that we wouldn't have a preference over how anybody else would come in here, but we have a preference on how God would come in here? preference on how God would show up. A bullet point list of what God needs to look like when He shows up today as I ask Him to come. We wouldn't have a preference over those that are lost and we would have an expectation for them to come in and find Jesus. But do we also have the same thinking about God coming to us now? We don't. We do set preferences on how God should come. I've taught this a lot. I've, I've taught this... Uh, not, not having expectations on, around how God would do something, right? I, you've heard me teach this, but expectation is the wrong word. It really is the wrong word. I've encountered God. I've lived with God. I've walked with God. So I have an expectation. When I ask for Him, I have an expectation for Him to answer. The, the real word 
It's don't have a preference around how God will answer you. That's where we get hurt. And that's where we miss God. Because He didn't answer us in the way we would prefer Him to answer, and now we've missed Him. And God didn't answer me. I guess He did, just not in the way you wanted. And there's expectation that God would answer you, and that expectation was correct, but you had a preference around God, and therefore you missed God. If we walk with God and encounter Him regularly, I should have an expectation for Him to be who I have encountered Him to be. Amen? The correct word is preference. We have put preferences around God. How He should respond. What, what He should do, think, or feel. How He should do it for me. What opinion He should have. What side of the road He should stand on. What political party He stands with. Right? I bet God is, I bet God is vaccinated. Or I bet, I bet God is unvaccinated. Right? But we do this. We justify our stances with God agrees with me. No, he doesn't. He's God. He is not found on one side of the road. He's found in the middle. Building bridges as we've been called to stand. As we've been called to do. And so what eventually happens, unfortunately, what eventually happens in the Christian church, especially in the Western church, is we begin to worship our preferences and not God Himself. You want to know why the church has gone so astray? It's because we are worshiping a preference of God that we have created and ignoring Him when He shows up. Because I only see Him through my preference, through this preference lens, and so I can't see Him when He comes as He is. And as He is in a moment. He comes specifically to the moment. So it's not actually God. Revelation 22.13, I am the Alpha the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, that is God. There is no room for your preferences in that. That is who He is. I am that I am. Period. He doesn't answer to our preferences. He is who He is and He will come as He comes and we will either have eyes to see Him when He shows up or we will miss Him because we are worshiping a preference. This was a powerful transition for me. And I'm going to read the lyrics of this song, and I think Jay and Sarah are going to sing it here in a little bit, but I'm going to read the lyrics of this song that Sarah sent me, and it, it blew my mind. She sent it I, I, Thursday. I listened to it all day. It was the only song I listened to. And then I sat, I got home, I had to mow. I got to mow. I love mowing my yard because it's easy. I sit on a mower and I just get it. Awesome. And so I sat on this mower and I plugged it in and I'm out there for about two hours. It's all I listened to. I couldn't stop because the Lord was correcting so many things in me. So many preferences that I've had. I have had turmoil over my position as pastor because I've had a preference on what this body should look like and what the transition should look like. I did not have a preference of taking over during a pandemic. That was like not in my things of stuff I wanted to experience and do. It wasn't on my wish list. I had a preference. And the Lord's been disappointing that preference list since day one. And He was correcting things in me. So listen to this song. It starts with a question. What if it doesn't look like what I thought it would? 
What if you, God, come in ways I didn't know you could? Offend my mind to reveal my heart. Ooh. Ooh. If your mind is offended, your heart has been revealed. I won't worship my preference anymore. Right here, if you walked in this room, would I recognize you and want you to stay? Or would I not know you and reason you away? Don't just come how I want you. Come how you are. What if it doesn't look like I thought it would? What if, it, what if you come in, a way, in ways I didn't know you could? Offend my mind, reveal my heart. I won't worship my preference anymore. Right now, if you whispered my name, would I know your voice? And would I ache to respond? Or would I not hear you? Because all else is too loud. Lord, you have my attention. Speak to me now. If you come like fire, would I believe that it's you? If you come like wind, would I still know you're in the room? You are the Alpha, and somehow you are still the Omega. I want your fullness, not just my, pre- my preference. What if it doesn't look like I thought it would, and if you come in ways I didn't know you could? Come offend my mind to reveal my heart. I won't worship my preference anymore. We have worshipped for a long time our preferences. And this is for all of us in here. I, I, I can only bring you this word because the Lord has been shifting and speaking and doing it in me. And I know that He's doing it in me, so I know it's true for a lot of us. That we slip into this mentality of worshipping our preference of how God would come, how God would move, who He would be to me in a moment. And what we end up doing is we end up missing God. Could you imagine with me just for a second, if this perfect and good and all-loving, all-knowing Father who came to you right where you were, how you were, and rescued you, came to His children, and they still did not recognize Him. That would be like you're drowning and someone throws you a lifeline, throws you a buoy attached to the boat that they're in and you reject it because your preference on how you should be rescued is a life jacket. But what you can't see is that buoy is meant for you to hold on to so that they can pull you to safety. The life jacket will only keep you right where you are. You won't be drowning, but you won't be moving either. You'll be stuck in the water. But the rescue didn't look like you thought it would, so you rejected it. Can we imagine that for a second? This good and perfect Father that came to us exactly where we were, comes to us each and every Sunday, because where two or more are gathered, there He is. But what He comes is to a group of people that don't even acknowledge Him, because there's 50 different preferences on how He should come to me this morning, and what it should look like this morning, and what I want to feel this morning, and we miss Him. Over and over. And now imagine with me what a church would look like that did not care how He came, but just wanted Him to come. And you tell me that doesn't change the world. You logically explain to me how that doesn't change the world. If a group of people, His sons and daughters, are just content to be in His presence, period. Whatever it looks like. If it offends my mind to reveal my heart, let it be. If you come like fire, 
come like fire. If you come like wind, come like wind. God will come exactly how we need Him to come each and every time we meet together. Each and every day, the second you wake up and take your first breath in the day, He will come to you as you need Him to come to you. But will we have eyes to see and ears to hear? Will we recognize His voice when we wake up and He speaks? Will we hear Him? Or will we already have a preference and miss Him? And miss Him all day long, over and over and over again? Church, this is, this is so... This is so big because this is the world we live in right now. The church, the Western church is worshiping a preference of God. Not God Himself. And we do it each and every day. I I caught myself guilty of it this morning. Starting to put a preference on what this service would look like. How you would respond to this Word. It's so easy. This is not not a... Uh, a, a time where I'm trying to... There's, there should be no guilt. There should be no feeling of conviction because that is not of God. When He comes, He doesn't come with conviction and guilt. He comes with the standard of Jesus. And Jesus did not have a preference how God would use Him. He just allowed Him to use Him. And in that, the world was changed and we're talking about this life that had no preference around it for three years and we're talking about it today. And we're saved because of it today. And we get to step into the reality of the presence of God each and every day because He didn't carry a preference around His heavenly Father. And we get to do the same. And what would that look like in our daily lives just for you, not anybody else. This is not about anybody else. This is one of the few sermons where I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to reflect on your own life. Because if you start thinking outwardly about this, you'll miss it inwardly and then outwardly will not be effective. Anything we desire to see corporately must first happen individually. So if we want to see the world around us change and meet with Jesus as He comes to us each and every day, we need to be ready to meet with Jesus as He comes to us each and every day. Not allowing a preference to be put around us. Amen? Not, not worshiping a preference of God, but that He would just come as He is. That He would just build this church and it would look like whatever He needs it to look like. However He is being manifested now, I want nothing else but it to look like that. Nothing else. How he says, and, or how he does what he said he's going to do, let it look like whatever it needs to look like. I'm telling you, one of the things that we did not expect, we did not expect to get rid of Hallelujah Night for Sundown Fall Festival. It looks like God would have us be this community's church. The Kindness Project had expectations, had a preference on what it would look like. It doesn't look like that, but God is doing powerful things through it. My preference is throw them out the window because God will do amazing things, period, because He is an amazing God. And He is faithful to do all that He has promised that He will do. In your life, in your community's life, in your family's lives, He will do what He said He is going to do. But if we have preferences on how He should do stuff, a lot of us will miss what He's speaking over us. We won't even know what He said He wants to do in our families. Because we've had a preference on what it should look like.
And so we've not heard Him from day one. But I'm telling you, if, if this is heard and received, and the shifting that needs to take place takes place in us, get ready. Get ready. Because you're talking about a people that are never disappointed. You're talking about a people that are always overflowing with joy and jubilee. You want to see jubilee, right? We talked about it. You want to see jubilee in the streets? Can't be disappointed and have jubilee. You can't have disappointment and also be overflowing with joy. The world around us will change because we worship God as He comes to us, as He is in every moment. And we worship Him in that way and only that way and we refuse anything else. We refuse a preference. We just desire so earnestly for Him to do what He wants to do and for Him to come as He wants to come. Imagine our responses when we gather together and we all have ears to hear and eyes to see. No preference and He enters the room. What does our response look like? What does the response of worship look like? when we worship Him because He comes as He is and every one of us sees Him. Sees Him exactly as He is as He comes into this room. Are you tracking with me? Are you understanding? So this morning, I would ask you, as they sing this song, as they, as they go through this song for us, worship needs to look very specific. If you want to follow along with the words, that's awesome. But if every eye were, were closed and focusing and allowing the Lord to shift their heart away from preferences, let's do it. I don't care what it needs to look like for you, but would you just allow this moment for the Lord to shift you away from the preferences and allow Him to introduce Himself as He is for you this morning? That you would see Him clearly as He stands before you right now, I'm telling you, I'm prophesying this right now. I see the Lord standing before each and every one of you in here as you need to see Him right now. And if we lay our preferences down at His feet, I'm, it's like a basket and we're laying it down at these golden feet and all of a sudden you're seeing this presence before you. So I'd ask you, as they sing this song, as they play this song over us, they are singing this playing it over you that you could see Him clearly this morning as He's come to you. So lay down your preferences that God would look like this. He would do this. It would look like this in my life. Just lay it down and allow Him to be God as He is for you this morning. Experience Him and encounter Him this morning as He has come to meet with you. Lord, we love You. And I pray that that would be that would be true and that would be made manifest this morning. We would lay down our preferences. Even, even if we don't know that if we have preferences, Lord, would you just begin to show us all the times that we have set up preferences around you? All the moments and that we would just lay them down. That we could see you clearly. This presence of glory before us that is for us and not against us and desiring to work every good and perfect thing on our behalf, desiring to work every circumstance for good, desiring to give us every good and perfect gift. And you are ready and you are willing to do it on our behalf before us now. 
Lord, I pray that this would be an elevating morning, but this would be a morning where we never look back. We never go back. And we would receive you as you are and as you come each and every day. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.